0: We have been sucked into the family, and someone needs to keep the family together. And he chose us. He said, I've worked on it too hard. If I give it to you for a steal, will you take care of it for me? I want, I want to know what goes on. And we immediately said yes.
1: Welcome to Pick Me Up, a podcast from Lyft and Gimlet Creative, all about people who are driving towards something big, both on and off the road. I'm Mariah Smith, and in today's episode, we're headed to Seattle. We're standing in that Amore, a restaurant that's been at the heart of the Mount Baker neighborhood for over 20 years. If these walls could talk, they'd have lots of stories and I ordered the chicken parmesan, and it put me into labor.
2: So she got up and she came over and she said, would you like to join us? It was, it was a very memorable Christmas Eve.
0: After our daughter was born, it was
1: our first outing with a newborn in the neighborhood was to come here with our little baby in a bucket. We got engaged here maybe a year and a half ago. It's not like going to a restaurant, it's family. And right now, something major is happening at the restaurant. Lyft driver, and that's Amore server, Guy Devillier, is standing on a wooden box in the middle of a crowd. He's got a glass in hand, and he's giving a speech.
0: This is the hub, and we want it to still be the hub. We need $200,000 to make this sale happen. We need it, and I need your help getting it.
1: Guy never thought he would or could run a restaurant, but that was before that samore. The restaurant has been there for him during some really hard times, and now he wants to be there for it. It was actually Guy's career in tech that brought him to Seattle 17 years ago when he was in his mid-30s. He was a business consultant, then a project manager for a large software company. So, people sometimes say Seattle can be a hard town to break into. But Guy found his people pretty quickly. He arrived on a Wednesday in June, right before Pride weekend.
0: And I was kind of on my own, and I was standing on the street corner just watching people. And this guy and some friends walk in front of me, and he has calves that are huge. And the interesting thing is I also have big calves because I have really short legs. So I thought, I'm going to take a picture of these, and I'm going to send it back to some friends and say, look, someone else has them, too. I noticed some guy taking pictures of my calves. (laughs) And he said, are you taking a picture of my butt? (laughs) I said, no, your
1: calves.
0: (laughs) And that is how we met.
1: It was calf at first sight. Yes, has calves at first sight, yes. Those calves belonged to David, a Seattle native and Guy's future husband. David felt the connection immediately.
0: I just fell head over heels for this man. First time ever falling for somebody that way that I knew it.
1: It was a pretty fairy tale way to start life in a new city. Guy and David moved in together 10 months later in the Mount Baker neighborhood, and they quickly found their new favorite spot. That's a of course. At home, things were going great for Guy, but his work life was a different story. He worked incredibly long hours, and he was just stressed out all the time. How would you describe yourself coming home from work?
0: Uh, Unhappy and just a terror to try and deal with.
1: Here's his husband, David, again.
0: He was very, very, very uptight. I mean, starch search and everything, you know. He'd iron his jeans. (laughs) And I was like, what have I gotten myself into? I didn't know who I was coming home to. He was just getting beat up
1: like crazy at work. Guy felt trapped. He continued down this path for three more stressful years. But finally, enough was enough, and he decided to leave the job.
0: The day I picked him up from that, it was just like, you could just see there was— this light just beaming. He was just so much lighter. I could
1: just see it. Guy was back. He even stopped ironing his jeans. And while he figured out next steps, he tried out a simpler life.
0: Yeah, I, I went to dinner with friends. I bought a movie ticket with a reserved seat, and I made it there. I I walked around the neighborhood. I enjoyed music again. Like All the things that I had put to the side— I let back in, and it was just, I truly felt like I was reborn in some way.
1: But it didn't last long. One day, not long after leaving the company, Guy was relaxing on the couch when he felt a sharp pain.
0: Something happened in my stomach that I couldn't bear. I didn't know pain like this existed.
1: David was there, and he called an ambulance.
0: I'm actually like starting to go hysterically blind. I can't open my eyes. The fire people arrive, and they put me on a stretcher. And David leans over and he says, "You really should open one eye because you're not going to believe how hot the lead fireman is." His name is Dallas, and they all kind of laughed. And I said, "I, I said I can't. I can't do it. Open one for me." So he pried one of my eyes open. And I look up and I said, "Yep." Now let's go. <laughs>
1: It turned out that guy had diverticulitis. It's an infection in the digestive tract. He had to have emergency surgery. So, did do they know what caused this? Uh, stress. Over the next 18 months, guy recovered, but slowly. His body was getting stronger, but he felt kind of lost.
0: And I was just kind of floundering. I was walking around our neighborhood just with my chin on the ground a lot. So now I was dragging my chin and my intestines on the ground.
1: Everyone noticed, including the servers and the owner, Paul, at That's Amore.
0: He said, I'm so sorry to see you walking around this way. And I said, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring everybody down.
1: Guy knew he needed to get back on his feet, but he wasn't sure how. Then one Tuesday night, Guy and David were having dinner at That's Amore. The place was completely slammed and there was only one waitress working.
0: And so I, we sat down, we ordered, and I was like, look, I know where things are in this restaurant. So I grabbed the water pitchers and I watered some folks. I picked up their plates, took them to the dish pit.
1: A few days later, Paul gave Guy an apron and a job.
0: He said, yeah, I can only give you one night a week. That's all we really need, but we just need somebody who just wants one. I said, perfect, <laughs> perfect for me. And uh, it took, About a month for me to actually pick up one more night, and then eventually one more night until I had full-time
1: work. Guy loved working at the restaurant. He loved being a part of his neighborhood again, and remembering the regulars' orders, recommending wines. And
0: giving me this job when I really wasn't that employable really picked me up. Like, I felt like I had life again.
1: Guy's been a server at That's Amore for five years now. And when he's not working at the restaurant, he loves to meet more people in his community by driving with Lyft.
0: With Lyft, I have this little journey, you know, literal and metaphorical, with these folks.
1: And it turns out, all of his experience from his previous corporate life, it actually comes in handy during his rides. He's even been known to conduct some practice job interviews while driving.
0: Whenever I need a pick-me-up, I'll drive. And then I'll go to the restaurant that evening and I'll get picked up again.
1: So things have been going really well for Guy. And just this past March, that Amore's owner, Paul, pulled Guy and David aside.
0: And he said, I do want to go to my next dream, which is a distillery in Kentucky. And uh, he said, but here's the thing. I've had the restaurant on the market for a while. And my first reaction was, what? <laughs> How could you have done this to us? Why would you just sell this place? He said, I've worked on it too hard. If I give it to you for a steal, will you take care of it for me? I want to know what goes on. This neighborhood would hunt me down and kill me if I just let it go and it turns into something else. And we immediately said yes. So
1: why was it such an immediate?
0: It, we've been we've been sucked into the family, and someone needs to keep the family together. And he chose us.
1: Guy and David have a very clear vision for that Amore should they become the owners.
0: Everything is gonna be identical. The only way someone will know that we've changed hands is they'll ask, hey, where's Paul tonight?
1: But this can't happen overnight. The asking price for the restaurant is $150,000, which they'll need to raise, along with the additional transition costs. And a big way he and David hope to reach that amount is through crowdfunding.
0: So our neighborhood wants this place. They want a neighbor to have it. It just seems like the perfect, the perfect mix. We just have to make it happen.
1: Guy's excited, but he's pretty nervous, too.
0: Like, come on, Guy. All you've been so far is a server and a Lyft driver. And so David says, you know, I'm going to push you. And Paul says, I'm going to catch you. You just have to do it.
1: We wanted to talk to someone who'd have some tips for Guy. Someone who's also taken over a beloved neighborhood restaurant.
2: I don't know what it is about this place, but it just feels like home. You know, like you walk in and it just kind of gives you a big hug.
1: That's Scott Reinhardt, the general manager at Gramercy Tavern, an iconic Michelin star restaurant in New York City. Gramercy Tavern has been around for 24 years, and Scott has worked there for 21 of them. First as a waiter, and then almost every position in the restaurant since. Two years ago, he was offered the general manager role. He has some advice for Guy.
2: Don't let the position overwhelm you. Remember that you have people that are probably on your side that want you— they don't want to see you fail. They want to see you succeed. Rely on them. When it was announced that I was becoming the GM, like, the amount of people that came to me and said very nice things, you know, the staff, uh, it made me feel like, okay— they have my back, and this is going to be fine.
1: Guy already has so many people rooting for him. His friends and family, the staff at that Amore, and the regulars, too. And Scott says that's key.
2: Really, our goal every day is to create more regulars. I mean, that's how this place is going to endure.
1: Back in Seattle, Guy, David, Paul, and the rest of the That's Amore team are inviting all their regulars to a crowdfunding party. They'll tell their community the exciting news and ask for their help to make the transition happen. And if you didn't know before, I never miss a good party. Guy, we'd love to come and help you put together that party and document uh, it. How does that uh, sound? Stop
0: it. Stop. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I fell on the I fell on the floor.
1: After the break, we're heading to Seattle to literally pick Guy up. Just like Guy, Lyft drivers around the country are doing big things to build community and bring people together. Like Dennis Brunson, a Lyft driver and retired musician from Scottsdale, Arizona. Recently, Dennis has been wanting to get back out there in the music scene.
3: Being a musician has still got the edge to go out there and perform.
1: But he doesn't want to meet up with a couple of guys in a garage. He wants to rock out with everyone.
3: My wife and I are sitting around and I said I must put a band together again. She says, "Well, how many pieces you're going to have?" I don't know, a thousand. So I come up with this idea to uh, create the world's largest rock band.
1: According to the Guinness Book of World Records, China currently holds the title with 953 musicians. Dennis says it's time to bring the record home.
3: So my my goal is somewhere 12 to 1300 members. That's what we're trying to recruit
1: and he hopes to recruit musicians of all ages, especially young people.
3: Why it was so important in my life, when I got that bass guitar, it changed my life. I'd like to bring a lot of young performers into this world's largest rock band.
1: So whether you're building a community around a restaurant or a 1,200-member rock band, Lyft can help you get there. If you're interested in learning more about driving with Lyft, Visit lift.com slash driver. Welcome back to Pick Me Up. I'm Mariah Smith and we're in Seattle. Can you go up in the space needle? Yeah. Whoa. It's a beautiful day in July. Perfect weather for Guy's fundraising party to keep that samore in the hands of the right Guy. The goal is to raise $200,000, which includes the cost of the restaurant and the additional transition fees.
0: My mantra is make them laugh, make them cry, make them buy.
1: He and his husband, David, have been working sunup to sundown to get this party ready and welcome their community.
0: I'm most excited for getting to speak in front of these folks and tell them what happened with us and how that empowered me to do this because I'm going to own a restaurant. <laughs> because I'm going to own a restaurant.
1: That Amore is on a ridge, and the views from this place are stunning. From inside the restaurant, you can see the downtown Seattle skyline, the Puget Sound, and the neighborhoods in between. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Oh. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. good. You got it? Yeah, we were right here. I'm just arranging yeah. the clock. Ooh. When we find Guy and David inside, they're doing some last minute party touches. And (laughs) so cute, they're wearing matching outfits white button up shirts tucked into their dress pants. They say it's too hot out for ties. And when the clock strikes six, the party begins.
3: I'm
0: feeling better now that people are here. Now that I've talked to some of them, I feel better people I know, people I love. Like, I'm happy to see every one of their faces.
1: As people are eating their Caesar salads and sipping their white wine, it's time for Guy to make his speech, which will, of course, end with the big ask. This is a big deal for Guy. That samore has changed his life completely. He's gone from an unhappy, high-strung tech guy to someone who feels connected and full of purpose. Guy gathers everyone around and he's standing on a wooden box that David built just for this speech. Guests surround him from every angle. Hello, Riff (laughs) Raff. For the next
0: several minutes, you're going to be looking at my backside. You are welcome.
1: He clears his throat, straightens his shoulders, and begins. All right, I've got a story to tell. And you're all in it. (laughs) Guy gets right into it, talking about the heart of that samore. It's community.
0: It's why Colin grew up in this restaurant, right? It's why a man had his five-day-old grandson in his hand one night, and he was walking around with a bottle of port, sharing it with other tables. (laughs) It's why, it's why when Mary Ellen lost her husband, I got to kneel down beside her there for a minute and cry with her for just a few moments. And it's why, when Cornelius proposed for the second time to Hannah, because this time he had a ring on him.
1: (laughs) And then, the big moment arrives. Guy stops and takes a deep breath. Like, we're just it.
0: This is the hub, and we want it to still be the hub. So, it's why all these things have happened, and it's why I'm completely comfortable standing in front of you tonight and asking for your help. We need $200,000 to make this sale happen. We need it and I need your help getting it. So, I want everybody to grab another beverage, I want you to get some hot food in your stomach, and we're gonna buy this restaurant. Yes!
1: Guy crushed it. Volunteers are walking around and passing out information about contributing. And before you know it, the first big donation. About 15 minutes later, they're at $20,000. 45 minutes later, and my third glass of wine,
2: Thirty thousand six hundred dollars.
1: Nice. Then at nine o one p.m.
0: for tonight only, because there'll be more raised.
2: Forty five thousand dollars in two hours. Forty five thousand dollars. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing.
0: Wow. I I I feel. I gotta come. To, uh, uh, I'm not overwhelmed. Like it's just right. I thought it would be. I thought it would be too much. And I'm not. It's not. It's just right. I thought just right.
1: The guests start to head home. Guy and David are out on the patio, and they just can't stop smiling. They've undone the top buttons of their shirts, and they finally have a moment to just relax a little.
0: We are. on our way to buying this restaurant with one night. It makes us feel like all those times that we thought, let's just buy another glass of wine for that lady over there. Let's buy their dessert for them, right? That interaction that we've had with people all all these years, they haven't, it hasn't gone unnoticed with them, right? And they all came back tonight. (laughs) They all came back tonight and they did it back to us.
1: The next morning, Guy drives us back to the airport. He's wearing a pair of cowboy boots because, he says, he felt like standing a little taller today.
0: Last night was awesome. So I feel great. I can't wait for that random person to say, so is this your place? I'm going to smile. They're <laughs> going to have never smiled? and say, yeah, it is. Oh Much oh guy, no, this is oh this was amazing. This won't the
1: last time we see one another, that's for sure. Right on, because when I'm back right here, on. a couple weeks later, I call Guy to check in. I have a little something fun to share with him. Hi, Guy, it's Mariah. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you today? I'm doing well, so I'm gonna get right into it. Last time we spoke, when we left the party, you all had raised $50,000 in just three hours. Uh, where are you at now?
0: So yesterday, we signed the purchase and sale agreement and we put in our $10,000 earnest money.
1: Congratulations! How did that feel? I am on cloud nine. Oh, my! I'm so proud and excited because that's like, we knew it was going to happen because of just how much support you all had, how driven you all are. But knowing that it's happened so quickly... We,
0: we ended up putting the closing date as six weeks away. Wow. Damn, baby! <laughs> Already bought his fancy shirts for that day. <laughs> and we're going to unlock the door right at 5 o'clock, and we're going to open that door and just smile.
1: We want Guy to remember this feeling for a long time, so we put together a little sonic time capsule for him as a surprise. All during the party, we had one of our producers set up a makeshift studio to collect stories and memories from Natsumori's regulars. In the years to come, we hope Guy presses play on this anytime he needs a reminder of just how many people are rooting for him.
0: Oh, are y'all gonna make me cry?
1: <laughs> it
2: really is just a cornerstone in the community. And it feels like a neighborhood place, which is something you don't find a lot of times. My husband and I were here
1: seven and a half years ago when I was pregnant with Vivian, and it was three days before her due date, and I ordered the chicken parmesan, and it put me into labor. And then a couple of years later, when I was pregnant with Veronica, we did the same thing. And the next day, I delivered a beautiful eight-pound baby girl.
2: One Christmas Eve, this older woman, probably in her late 60s, early 70s, she saw that I was dining by myself, so she got up and she came over and she said, would you like to join us? And we had a wonderful evening. Advice for Guy? Don't change the pizza and make sure to keep the short rib ony. <laughs> I mean, certainly keep doing what he's doing, which is just being this friendly person who likes to interact with the people and everything.
0: Violet, what would you like everyone to eat here?
2: Camasoo. <laughs> What's your favorite food here? Camasou. Do you like the rest of the food? Yeah. What else do you like? Um
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Uh okay, hang on a sec. <laughs> <coughs> That is so awesome um, I had no idea people were saying those things it just feels it feels so incredible that they you know these stories they told and they're not saying goodbye to it they're not this isn't you know lamenting that all these things will go away it's just their chance to say let's keep going and I think that, I guess that's what they showed us is they
2: trust us to keep it going
1: Is there anything that you'd want to say to the community after listening to that?
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you for trusting us. Thank you for going on this adventure with us. Thank you for trusting us, not just with your money, but with your restaurant. We just get to hang on to it for you.
1: On the next episode of Pick Me Up, we meet a driver who is starting over after a big setback. What was that like when you first arrived?
2: Yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and it was cold, too, and I'm used to 90 degrees all year round. <laughs> I was like, what is this?
1: <laughs> Pick Me Up is a production of Lyft and Gimlet Creative. This episode was produced by me, Mariah Smith, carrie Ann Thomas, Nicole Wong, Julie Subrin, and Laura Morris, with help from Tyler Sorensen and Julia Botero. Sarah Geis is our editor. Dara Hirsch mixed this episode. Original music by Daniel Brunel and technical direction by Zach Schmidt. The Lift team is Vicky Chang, Kay Hondorp, Kyle Kraft, Alex Doty, Lisa Fuguer, and Sarah Lazama. Did you enjoy this episode? Let us know. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.